on TV, online and on your smartphone. This is Ticker News. Hey there folks, New Zealand is officially in recession. Australia is teetering on the brink. The island nations that shut themselves off from the rest of the world for good reason, of course, during COVID are now paying a high price. But as the economy struggles, corporate profits are also booming. It's now becoming a two-sided economy. I'm Aaron Young, let's get started. Now from our headquarters at Ticker Park, this is Ticker Today. Okay, so do you remember when we're all confined to our homes, sitting on awkward Zoom meetings and praying that Netflix would finally release something new? We believed the health advice at the time and we shut down the economy. But what happened next was catastrophic as governments were funding that extra spending with loads of debt. The case of those lockdowns and the cost of them caused a massive debt burden for each of those nations. Let's focus on the United States for a moment. They're sitting on a consumer price index of 4%. Would you believe that that actually fell in May? It also pays plays into this bizarre narrative where the Fed Reserve will keep interest rates unchanged while trying to keep a hawkish posture. So who's to blame for this? Is it the central banks or should politicians and governments be in the firing line for panicking and spending too much? A few years ago, I handed Joe Biden the fastest economic recovery in recorded history. But as soon as he came into office, he quickly blew it all up. It was a shame. So sad to watch. I knew what was happening. I could see it. And so could others. Biden and the radical Democrat Congress single-handedly created the highest inflation in decades. They spent trillions of dollars, waged war on American energy, and pursued the socialist joke known as the Green New Deal, an absolute disaster for our country. And so as usual with Donald Trump, there's a fair bit to unpack with that. So we'll leave part of that there. But lots has been spent during the pandemic in terms of welfare support and trying to stop economies from buckling. But wasn't it clear what goes up has to come down? The pouring billions into the economy to keep things bumbling and humming along would end up with the very same people you're trying to save, then struggling to pay it all back. Take a look at this graph, for example. The International Monetary Fund publishes this kind of data referring to gross and net debt for 2022, basically shows all debt outstanding and then the difference between gross debt and the cash balance of the firm. It is not a position you want to be leading in and G20 nations are bearing the brunt. No China in there, even though that is the world's factory. And then have a look at New Zealand where things are looking bleak. This is the front page of one of their dailies. It re reports the island nation is recording two consecutive quarters of negative growth. The last time it happened was when international borders were closed as the world entered the midst of the pandemic. New Zealand has entered a technical recession as the country's central bank embarked on one of the most aggressive rate hike cycles in the world. GDP shrank by 0.1% in the first quarter, following a 0.7% contraction in the previous three-month period. In May, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand raised this benchmark rate by another 25 basis points to a 14-year high of 5.5%. But we remember New Zealand's success, right? The millions, nation of five million, which was applauded during the pandemic as a beacon of what post-COVID life would look like. The isolated nation now deep in economic turmoil and it's left the government searching for sources of income. It's a question that we're looking forward to getting the answers from Greg Jericho, who's the policy director at the Australia Institute. Uh, welcome to Ticker, thanks so much. Hi Aaron, good to be here. Yeah, let's talk about who's bearing the brunt of this post-COVID recovery, because we know that governments and health officials were trying their best during COVID to be able to look after people, get people through, keep people safe. But we've come to the other side and it seems to be really tough for a lot of people at the moment. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's always a little bit difficult to cast around a lot of blame for how governments and even central banks acted during the pandemic, because really when we do go back there, no sense of, of there being a, a vaccine anytime soon. There was It was really a sense that we might be locked down for quite a long time. And so you could kind of understand the governments erring on the side of uh, not so much caution, but doing more than they perhaps needed to. And really it only came out as more than they needed to because thankfully uh, the science and, the, and medicine actually got the the nations and the economies going again when they were able to get the vaccines out there. So you're right in that uh, that did build up a lot of debt, um, but I think at the time it was it was a, a good way of doing it because um, we really there were some pretty dark prospects aligned there. Very much so, but we get to the other side and now economies are suffering. We're seeing instances where people who are handed out money, of course, from the government are now being asked to hand it back as well. Um, is that just adding to the difficulties that people really faced during COVID and post? Yeah, I think that, and the, the real problem is that uh, we're in a really weird state of the economy. And I think I kind of don't grasp just how massive an impact the COVID uh, years were to the economies. They absolutely turned everything on its head. And there was this sense that I think, oh, the, you know, essentially the pandemic's gone, although obviously people are still getting sick and, and it's still around. But there was this sense of, oh, we're, now we're out of lockdowns, things will go back to normal and not sort of grasp the fact that it wasn't just a one in a hundred year sort of medical shock. It was a one in a hundred year economic shock that, you know, we had businesses shut. We had people being unable to move, not only across international borders, but state borders in Australia. And it's a case that a lot of that is still taking time to work back. And so, you know, for example, with Australia, we just had the most recent uh, short-term arrival figures come out and they show that, you know, we're still about, you know, only about two thirds of the way back to where we were prior to the pandemic in terms of international tourism. I mean, that's a massive amount. And it's, it just shows that all of these things are still going to take a lot of time to work out in the sense that, oh, we'll be back to normal and that all was good. It, it, it was a little bit uh, naive, I think, by a lot of people. And in fact, in, in according, including me a little bit, you know, there was this sense of, oh, okay, we, we missed out on the worst of the huge recessions like in the 1990s. Maybe things will go back to normal. And after such a shock, whether it's, uh, medical shock, just like an economic shock, you're always uh, uh, recovering a little bit weaker than you were perhaps uh, before the injury as we had here with the, the COVID recession. Isn't it weird that central banks around the world failed to be able to predict that inflation though, um, and also the increased interest in these countries now having to engage with China to restart, to kickstart their economies, Australia having to sell more coal to China, uh, New Zealand, of course, having to walk a very uh, concerning tightrope when it comes to dealing with China compared to other Western nations as well. Do Western countries now have to rely heavily on China to bounce back out of the economic gloom? I think certainly uh, with Australia, you're, you're seeing that very much is the case. Um, yes, I think the central bank certainly uh, got it wrong with their predictions. And again, there was a lot going on. One, we had the the coming out of the out of the pandemic and all the uh, supply side issues that were occurring there with bottlenecks and so forth. 
And then, of course, we had uh, Russia invade Ukraine, which um, just, again, turned everything on its head, especially with regards to commodity prices, ranging from gas through to wheat and uh, potassium and urea and sunflower oil. It was just a, you know, almost a, a cataclysm of events that uh, were very hard to model and, and suggest what was going to occur, especially with something like an invasion where you're not sure, is this just going to be a, a short-lived thing that will it'll be a bump or, as we've seen, it's still going. Um, so I think, yes, they probably uh, could have done better. Certainly, um, there were some pretty optimistic uh, forecasts for inflation. But I think also what has occurred that has been of, of uh, fault is that there's this sense that it's an inflation just like it was back in the 1980s or the 1970s in this sense that it's all about demand, all about people having loads of money to spend. And they've kind of treated it in that way in, in terms of, well, let's hike up the interest rates and that'll get rid of all that demand when, well, we're dealing with supply side issues. We're dealing with an invasion in Ukraine and a lot of, uh, for example, in Australia, um, the world oil price doesn't really care about uh, interest rates in Australia. So it's it's been this very difficult period where we're having this massive of things occurring at the same time that are really disrupting the economy and uh, central banks especially reacting yeah, in a sure. way that a, they always wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're speaking with uh, Greg Jericho from the Australia Institute. When we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, some of the other things, the OECD and corporate profits, the impact that they may be having on inflation as well. I'm Aaron Young. Do stay with us.